Hello, hello, hello. Um, you listen to the Culture Report. Um, it's been a very weird weekend. Um, <laughs> I know I'm saying I'm a lot, but like, even after what two days? No, three days after actually, because he died. He got, he died on Sunday. It still doesn't feel real at all that this actually happened. Like someone like Nipsey Hussle, someone who was so devoted to his community and so um, devoted to his people and trying to make them live better, trying to give them opportunities that just isn't available in a lot of minority communities and cities overall in America. He was investing in property, real estate. He was building a brand, building businesses, building homes, building schools, well, not schools, but funding schools, talking to um, the LAPD to you know, help curb gang violence and violence in general in his city. Someone who encompasses everything Americans, everything America, everything people want from somebody was shot and killed in his own, in front of his own store, in front of his daughter. He died in front of everything he built. That was not for him. It was for the whole entire community. It just... It feels impossible. Like, it's unexplainable to even even say at this point it's impossible to even like comprehend like if someone like nipsey can be done like that what says you can't someone who's by all means from that's been documented by rappers artists i mean ball players community leaders activists help the lapd and i will repeat this the lapd los angeles police department mourn the life of a gang member. Where do you see that? Like, most cops, most police departments want them dead. If they die, then I won't say happy about it, but it's like one less thug off the street. They publicly came out and mourned this man's death, a police department. Like, if that doesn't speak volumes of what Nipsey Hussle meant to his community out in Los Angeles, particularly Slauson, Slauson, then I don't know what to tell you. I mean, there's not much words I could say after that. It's just, you know, there's an interview with Bo- with um, Little Boot. Damn, what's his name? Little Boozy, yeah. No, that's his name? Little Boosie or just Boosie? I call him Boosie. Okay, Boosie. It's my bad, Boosie. Please don't call him. <laughs> but he was talking about when after he got through his um his latest jail stint, how he needed to, how he had to get away from New Orleans because and Nipsey Hussle actually referenced this in another interview as well. You can grow up with somebody in the same conditions where you went to the same school, had the same access to clothes, money. Um, education, technology, you basically can start from the dirt and then one of you guys becomes successful and another one doesn't. And you came from the same place, the one who didn't make it will always hold some sense of animosity to you, especially in your own home. And a lot of people who have become successful have to leave home because not because they feel like it's in their best interest to financially because a lot of those people want to help their community. They have to do it for their own safety because there's people after them. Like Soldier Slim, um, a former a, a, a rapper, he died in front of his mom's and, and stepdad house on Thanksgiving Day. 
Another rapper named Camouflage, this was not almost 10 years ago, no, 16 years ago, actually. He died while walking his bait, while taking a walk with his, walking his um, child in his own neighborhood. Like, there's, um, Chink's drugs died in his own neighborhood. He was murdered in his own neighborhood. There are countless amounts of times and incidents where people who are successful have died in the same place they've been representing where they've been at for their whole lives. And Nipsey Hussle is one of those, is now unfortunately one of those people now. And this is the man who, as I just stated earlier, he did everything for them. Like, everything. Like, <laughs> I, I really don't understand. Like, what do you gain from this? So do you want to tell them about the man who has committed this crime? No, I don't want to give I don't want to say his name. You don't have to say his name, but the information about him. Um, I mean, all I, all I know is he was a 29-year-old. Um, he was 29 years old, African-American. Um, he, was a, he was in the same gang um, Nipsey was, the rolling 60s. Uh, I'm not going to go into, you know, um, the actual gang background, but just know the rolling 60s is um, Crips. And um, he was a known snitch. In the in the game, um, allegedly he came into the store. Nipsey he he came into Nipsey's store, and this was came out this came out earlier this morning. Um, Nipsey actually went to the store on a whim because one of his old friends just did a twenty year bid in um, prison. He got out, and Nipsey went to the store to get him to give him clothes to go see his family and friends later that day. Mm-hmm. So Nipsey didn't tell to his security team. Or anybody of that matter where he went, it was just on a whim. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't even blame him. I mean, he's just going to his store. Right. He doesn't. I, I don't really it. see any reason of having protection with you just going to a store in a neighborhood where everybody loves you. So it was like, yeah. I mean, it's not surprising he didn't have his security detail with him. So this individual, um, he walked into the store. And Nipsey, knowing he's um, a known snitch in the gang, he something happened. There was some type of altercation that involved um, the snitch leaving. And then the snitch came back, um, and he shot Nipsey. He shot the friend who was there to get the clothes and another third member. And then he shot Nipsey multiple times and even kicked him in the head and got in a getaway vehicle with an unnamed um, female accomplished, uh, damn, not accomplished. Um, accomplice. Yeah, accomplice. They sound just like. They do. <laughs> so um, he, so when they drove off, and then after that, I mean, everything else just transpired from what we know now that mm-hmm. Nipsey died. He was the one in the hospital that passed away. The other two members haven't actually, they have, I haven't seen an update on the two members yet. All I'm I can not. say for certain is they're not dead. But I don't know if they're in critical, stable condition. I truly hope they don't succumb to their wound to their wounds because we don't need any more people dying from that incident or in general. So I truly hope for their family's sake and their friends' sake that they are okay. But you know, that's all I have to say on the individual. I mean, allegedly he was also in and out of mental health facility like two weeks before this um, shooting. Um, he was captured yesterday. Allegedly across the street, well, not across the street, but it was in the same general area as the shooting was in Bellflower. He tried to check into a mental facility, 
Like, he thought he was white. That's crazy to me. Like, he thought he could shoot somebody and plead insanity by going to a mental facility. You're not white. You're black. What the fuck you doing? So, mm-hmm. like, damn, see, even the mic dropped dead. So, oh, wow. <laughs> so like, why? So, it's like, it's just, so, I, that's all I have to say about him. I don't want to give him no, I don't want to say his name because he doesn't deserve fame for this. He doesn't deserve to even be, he should only be recognized in the sense that he killed by all intents and purposes, from everybody who spoke about Nipsey Hussle, a great man. That's all he should be remembered for. And he should never get any respect for that. He should... Honestly, a part of me wanted him to to die before he even got caught. A lot of people were thinking he was going to get caught by the streets before the uh, police caught him. Oh, yeah, because the streets were going to take it in their own hands. Mm-hmm. This, I've, I won't say I've seen it with my own eyes, but... I've heard about it back home where, like, something happened, the police ain't responding fast enough. The street's going to take it on their own hands. So it might involve somebody getting robbed, might involve somebody getting their ass whooped or jumped, might involve somebody breaking to your home. Sometimes it doesn't involve somebody dying. So I knew the streets wouldn't get, get their hands on it. You had rival gang members, like Bloods, which is another, um, if you guys know, I hope you know, is um, another gang based out in L.A., that was mourning this man's death. The gang was out in the street, 4 or 5 a.m., driving through Nipsey Hussle um, neighborhood, crying in tears. You have basketball players like Russell Westbrook and Steph Curry just devastated. I didn't even get to his wife, mm-hmm. Laura London, who is truly, truly distraught in all of this. The children... The kids. And I think the most disrespectful part for me in all this is the people who kept trying to push this conspiracy theory that the government did it. No. Shut the fuck up. Another thing that pisses me off is the people who said, oh, now you guys are Nipsey Hussle fans. Now you listen to his music. All this fake love. Shut the fuck up for once. You're not making any fucking point when you say that. At all. Yeah, uh, before the news got released about the uh, actual uh, person who committed the crime, yes, I saw all the things about the conspiracy theories. And, I mean, at first, obviously, people are just talking. They don't know what's going on. People are going to say anything. But then once the, you know, story came out about the guy who did do it, uh, people were still saying they don't believe it. They feel like this is with the government. They feel like, you know, he was forced to do it or whatever. The government is behind everything. Uh, and a lot of people are like really strong about that. Like they're strong that the government is behind all of this. If you want to know who Dr. CB is, you can just Google the fucking information. There's already been countless articles, countless documents on what Dr. CB has done. What is there that we don't know about already that you just can't find with a fucking Google search? Huh? Because also, if you didn't know, Nipsey Hussle was going to release a Dr. CB documentary. So that's what people are saying he was killed for because he didn't the government didn't want people to know the truth. You can Google a lot of this information that's already been out there. I'm not saying the documentary would not have been vital or had no importance, but a lot of the information we know already is already out there. Do you think that we think the government would still leave up YouTube videos? You think the government would still leave up, leave up articles for people to read, for people to watch? You think people, you don't think the government would already be taking down other 
memes of document videos or, or films of documentaries documentaries that's already been out for years now. You think they already do try to just cover that all, all up already? On top of that, that is so disrespectful to the man's family, friends, and to those people in particular. Yeah, people were posting videos of Lauren London running into the hospital. People were posting videos of the crime scene and him laying on the ground. And I that's probably, in my opinion, what was the most disrespectful part because that's just such a personal thing for him and his family that they're going through. And I just don't think it was, you know, respectful or right to be posting those videos. It was very heartbreaking to see those being posted and let alone to watch Lauren London um, didn't obviously speak on the situation when it first happened, but she did, you know, release an Instagram post and basically just saying she's lost her best friend. She's lost her soulmate. And it was just such a heartbreaking thing to know or not even know, just to imagine the pain that she's going through on top of his kids, on top of, you know, the rest of his family and close friends. So many other people in the industry have said about how he was such a great person, all things he was doing, all things that he has done. And it was just, it's just a great loss. Look, I'm not, I'm not too mad about the videos, if I'm being completely honest. Because even though I believe, even though it might be insensitive and an invasion of privacy, it's just something that, particularly the crime scene one, I'm not surprised. It happens all the time now, especially somewhat that yeah, much. Yeah, it happens all the trigger. time, but that doesn't mean it's right. And I'm not saying it's right, but like I'm probably we're we're more conditioned now than let's say five six years ago, when this was like when this first started. I remember there's a Chicago rapper, I forgot his name, but he was shot in the street and people were recording and they was, and I remember the video saying, wake up, stay up, stay up. And unfortunately he passed as well. So like, I feel like we've been, it has been normalized in the sense of the crime scene, but the one with her running to the hospital, I don't think nobody should see that. I think that's, I think that's more of an offense than the one at the crime scene. Cause I think I, that's just reporting what just happened in my opinion. Yeah. But seeing his blood and seeing him laying on the ground, I just don't think, in regards to his family and Lauren, like I don't think I would, I wouldn't want that to be out there. I wouldn't oh, yeah. want to be seeing that on social media. That's what I'm saying. Like, oh, yeah. and people were tagging her in the post, and people oh, no, were that's disrespectful. Yeah, yeah, people were tagging her. Like I'm saying, like, yeah, people were trying to show their condolences and say they were so sorry, but at the same time, like, her phone was probably already going crazy, and just seeing all these posts from you know people, like, yeah, people are being loving and supporting, but at the same time. She's already a very secluded person from social media. Like, she doesn't, you know, put all her business out there, you know. So I feel like just tagging her and having all her business out there yeah. probably was just, you know, a little bit too much for her. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Because in terms of the family, the crime scene video, that does, that that probably does hurt you more. But as, like, an outsider. Right, an that's, outsider. That's, like, um, that's that to me, that's more of reporting what just happened, what just happened, what's going on. Now, the other videos, like, tagging her in it, that's disrespectful. She probably doesn't even want to see an image like that. Her running to the hospital, I didn't see that video, thank God. That's something that I don't think no one should see because, you know, it's like, it's like the, I could imagine it's like the last glimmer of hope you have of, like, please tell me he's still alive. Basically. Like, and then I didn't watch the surveillance video, video my God. I didn't watch the, the, video, the video footage of the shooting because, um, the stuff like that just makes me feel very uncomfortable and very unease uh, for uh, for a while. So like I avoided watching the video of um 
when that catcher when he was shot and killed. But you know, I think we're just desensitized as a you know as people now, and the fact that people can just jump straight to conspiracy theories is just like it was pretty. I won't say pretty obvious, but. L.A., the people in L.A. knew what happened before the LAPD came out and said what happened. Like, there was already people who knew who the killer was a day before the LAPD released the killer um, image. Like, the streets already knew who it was. And to me, it just... To me, it's just, you know, overall, the situation just is sad because someone like this shouldn't have passed. He was only 33 years old. Yes, he was very young. just coming off a Grammy-nominated album called called Victory Lap, which you guys listen um, to the last podcast of December, in December of the first semester, first season. That was in my top five or top ten albums of the year. It was an amazing album. And he's been putting in work before that album before that album this man uh, his own his only goal was to better 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 his people did you know that he was starting a stem program in LA to give kids or just people in general the opportunity to learn how to code program is not hard my niggas <laughs> it is oh my bad it's hard it's not easy Programming is not easy. And we already, as a community, we don't have this type. We don't have our hands on this technology. We don't have our hands on this program in a lot of urban communities. We just don't. And he was building a whole like, school funding for it to teach these people how to code, to give them the tools necessary to be successful in this new era of technology. People that look like him, people that look like me, people that look like Davey. They was he was giving these kids a chance to be successful in life. And he wasn't just for the kids, it was for everybody. He gave people jobs. He was going to build a low-income housing apartment near the store to give people homes. This man was the definition of giving back to your community. And they and this piece of shit killed him. Like which stripes are you going to get from that? That's one person you don't touch. Someone who's creating change and bettering, bettering, bettering lives for everyone, not just his own. That's one person you don't touch. What you thought, you just could hide in a house for two days and not get caught? Two, two of his family members, um, of, this, of the suspect family members, were shot and killed yesterday. Oh, it, wow. was, it was not a good thing. I can tell you, it was not a good scene in L.A. I'm not even there. I can tell you right now, it probably wasn't. You killed someone out of pure spite because you felt disrespected that he kicked you out his store. And in turn, you just, because of your actions, two of your family members are dead, as we know. How does that make you feel? Listeners, how how would you feel... If the breadwinner, the one who the one the most respected person in your family, male or male or woman, 
suddenly dies like that, who gives everything, who gives their all to their people, to community, to their family, and someone take it away from them out of spite. Would you want to hear that the government killed them? Would you want to hear how this man who did kill them just suddenly fell out of the blue and went to a mental facility to try to, as a, to probably ease a case to, for him to plead insanity? How would you feel if you just see videos circulating everywhere? How would you feel if all you hear, this, this should have never happened, this should have never happened to this person, to this individual, but it did? How would you feel to lose your world, to lose everything? It wouldn't feel good. And I lost a family member to gun violence before. Rest in peace, um, Uncle Webbins. 2006, I was only eight years old. He was shot across the street um, from, not, from what is now my dad's store, but it was a corner store in the area, 116th and, um, is it 2nd Ave? Yeah, 2nd Ave. 116th, 2nd Ave in, in Miami. And he was shot in that corner store, and we still don't know who killed him at all. It's a cold case. For 13 years, we have no idea who killed him. He died from the complications of surgery. Every day I, when I go to my dad's store and I look across the street, I see, I can, I don't see, I mean, the blood's not there, but I can, I know this is where he got shot and this is where he died. Every day I went to, to went across the street and I couldn't avoid my dad's store. I couldn't avoid the corner store because I live right next there, like three blocks away. And my dad's store was like my stop from high school to, to community college. It was right near all the, yeah, from the bus stop to community college and the bus route went through there. So I had to see that every single day. The fucking investigator came to my grandma's house monthly to give us an update, and there was nothing to be said. No cameras, no footage, none of that. You have no idea what happened to this man, who killed him, why he killed him. And, my, and, and I love my uncle to death, but he was not the best person. But he was my uncle, and I loved him to death. How do you think they feel right now? Do they feel some type of closure? Maybe. They got the killer. But he's ain't going to bring him back. Not at all. And the people who saying, oh, it's just fake love. Why are we just now, why are we just acting like this man only made music? Why is it so hard to comprehend that people can become fans of other artists after death? We all did the same thing for Tupac. We all did the same for Biggie. So many young kids did the same for Michael Jackson after he passed. People become fans of other artists, other people after they die. Some probably because they never heard of them, heard, heard of them before. That's completely possible. Nipsey was not a radio rapper. He was an L.A. rapper. His last album where he brought in the sound, it was still very, buzz, very much based on L.A. music. But he was not just a musician. He was a philanthropist. Damn it. Philanthropist. Damn. Why can I talk? <laughs> um, he was someone who invested in his community. He was someone who was respected by all people, by all walks of life. Let people fucking mourn. This is how fans mourn. They go back and listen to the albums. They go back and listen to the music because that's all we can do. We can't fucking go to his funeral. We can't go to his viewing. We can't console his wife and his children, his family members. 
We just can't. So what do we do? We mourn by listening to his music. That's all we can do. And post a social media message or donate. That's all we can do. Do you fucking feel proud of yourself for being the first person to like him? Whoopity fucking do. That's how your fucking life is based on? Oh, I was the first person. Shut the fuck up. Don't you see people are hurting? It's not about you. There's no fucking fake love. If people who didn't know him are mourning, his, didn't know his music, but knew what he did on mourning his death, that should tell you something, that he was more than a musician. And he owned all his masters. Don't you want people listening to his music? Because all, all that money goes to his family. Don't you want people to stream his music, watch his videos on YouTube? Don't you want that? There's a reason why I played last time I checked. He said it straight up. He started from, the, he's, he did it all on his own. All his music came through his, his own record label that he released his albums on. All of it is his. All the businesses is his. Do you fucking feel proud of yourself? And to the fucking conspiracy theories, do you feel vindicated? Are you satisfied? You fucking got your 10 fuck, the 10 four hat on making all these stupid ass claims and now the truth come out about who the actual suspect is. He's like, oh, I don't believe it. The government had to pay him off. They're about to kill him off like they always do. Where's your fucking proof? There was already a fucking Illuminati video out two days, uh, a day after the shooting saying Illuminati exposed on YouTube. Almost half a half a million views last time I checked. Y'all make money off this bullshit. Y'all monetize off this. Y'all gain clout from off this. We just, I, we just talked about this. Don't you, don't you have a hint of respect for his, for his family members? Don't you respect yourself even, even a little bit? Just a, just a little bit? So, it's just, you know, it's just sad. And I, I want to send my condolences out to Lower London. I know she's hurting right now. She posted um, on social media yesterday, and it was sad. Um, the GQ also GQ video just came out of them too, like a week ago, mm -hmm. and I saw that video. You you can tell they were in love. Like, I think that's every, and that's a lot of people' biggest fears. I can tell you that right now, losing someone they hold dearly to their heart, a loved one could be a child, or even in this situation, their partner, their their significant other. That's something I wish pain on nobody. Nobody should ever feel that kind of pain. Also, another thing, another, it's a mini rant. Also hate the, I also hate the people who are saying, this is why we call you a hundred times. This is why we always ask blase blase this, blase blase that. No, no, you don't. No, no you don't. Don't use this situation to... To credit, to give credibility to your insecurities. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't. Yeah, I saw a lot of them post. At the same time, I did see a lot of you know, uh, black men. We love you, which I feel like those are okay, because you know, in situations oh, yeah. like this, where it is about where they're truly worried about your safety, telling you like we do care about you. But yeah, the ones like. This is why we call a hundred times. Sometimes some girls really do be worried about your safety. Yeah. But most of the time, women are not thinking about. Don't. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't make this about you. Because this is not about you. Don't try to don't try to put your wrap your insecurity around this tragic situation. You know that's why you ain't calling. You mad because your last your last boyfriend, your last relationship treat you like a piece of shit. Now you call a hundred times. 
don't do this. This is not the time or place for it. You got 37, 37 fucking retweets. 37 fucking people believe this bullshit. What's wrong with y'all? What is fucking wrong with y'all? There got to be something wrong with y'all because I don't get it. I really just don't fucking get it anymore here. Like, why? Like, I couldn't really sleep because, I, and I'll be totally honest, I am a Nissy Hustle fan. I did, like I said, I enjoyed Victory Lap. I'm not that familiar with his music before that. So, um, so I won't even, you know, try to hype him up because I'm not a I'm not aware of his music prior to that. I always knew he was as an artist even before Victory Lap, but in terms of like his biggest songs or his mixtapes, I can't do that. But I know what he was doing for the for for black people, and I was I respect anybody like that. I knew he was someone. I knew he was someone we should all follow. When my mom, who my mom is a pure hip hop head, but god damn it, she hates today's hip hop. She can't fucking stand it. <laughs> and she sent me link after link after link of Nipsey Hustle videos, like a year and a half ago till till like most recently his last one at Breakfast Club. She sent me link after link telling me this is how you should be approaching life. This is how you should be approaching financially, economically, and thinking about your long-term future. My mom was showing me videos of a man she's never met, that I've never met, on how to be a better man. And I already have my dad and my uncles and my cousin and my mom and my grandma for that. She sent me a video of someone I've never met to how to become a better man. Someone I guarantee you that she probably, because she also loved the Victory Lap album, but before the Victory Lap album, she could have named one lyric, but she could have told you everything he was doing in L.A. And she all the way in Miami. Doesn't that speak volumes? This is what we all should strive to be. Even before his death, this is what I was, I was striving to be. Don't know how to start, and I'm figuring it out. But him, he had it all down. Had it all down and it's just taken away from him in front of everything he built. So, I mean, rest in peace, Nipsey Hustle. We will miss you. We love you. Gloria London, stay strong, especially to, to um, their children together. Stay strong. I know his father is going through losing his son. That's something. <laughs> That's something I never, I see, I see how my grandma suffers from losing um, my uncle and she still cries to this day. It's almost, it's been over 13 years now. It's not something you, that ever goes away. Mm-hmm. No parent want, to, want their son, their children to die before them. That's a parent worst fear, worst fear that their children die before them. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just a sad situation overall. So now let's go to that. How do you even transition from that? So <laughs> it's just sad. So now I think we should go to a no more serious, serious, but you know, story, but involving Cardi B. Man, 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 man. Her mouth is going to be the end of her career. <laughs> it really, it, it really will be. She can't. It's not, not only can she not avoid saying things that are problematic, 
and could affect her into her career is what she was saying before she even started popping off as a superstar. And that what got her in trouble recently. Um, if you haven't heard, an IG video is about three years old, was resurfaced by Cardi B, where she, um, you know, she made some wild claims, my niggas. Um, she was saying that she used to take niggas home from the strip club, drug them, and rob them. Now, I don't know about y'all, but man, that's really fucked up. Like, you go there having a good time. You're already giving away your money. Like, real shit. You're already giving away your money in a strip club to a girl who's shaking ass. Like, you could easily go to Pornhub and, get, and, and just rub one out for free. But you go into the strip club <laughs> willingly. So you are, you are, you, to me, you're already a sucker right there. And then you get robbed afterwards? My nigga, that's a two-for-one deal for the strip. God damn. You giving out money to see women shake. Man, you can go on Miss Twerk. You can go on Miss Twerk some videos right now. She's still shaking ass. She's been doing this since I've been middle school. And you can do this shit for free, my niggas. And you what? And then you get robbed? <laughs> no, no. That's not that's not how a player does it. Yeah, man. <laughs> this whole situation, she she's definitely one of, those, one of those people who can like talk way too much and get herself in trouble whether she cares or not i mean like this is you know gone a little bit farther than just like people talking or whatever but uh i don't know regarding the situation it's definitely wrong and she shouldn't have done this especially like the dragon them part i feel like that's you know very dangerous you know money is money people get robbed every day but because of where she's at now and the platform she has like some of her you know history like Everybody knows she was a stripper, but history like this coming out is just not a good look right now. And then, like, a lot of people are saying, like, they weren't surprised, like, where she's from, where her background is. They, like, you know, it's wrong, but, you know, how can y'all be mad at her? They, like, we, y'all should have been knew this. And I don't know. I still feel like it's, it was a very wrong thing to do, but in that state where she was, she probably was just like, fuck it, like, I'm about to get some money. Yeah, I mean, look, man. This is how you know it's wrong. When Mr. Problematic himself, Rick Ross, who who made a lyric on a song you ain't know, he ruined the whole entire song, by the way, where he said, I put a molly in her drink, she ain't even know it. That's already bad. If he would have kept it out there, right there, that's bad. But then he continued and said, I took her home and enjoyed that. She ain't even know it. That's rape, my nigga. What is you talking about? <laughs> what is you talking about? <laughs> what? And he came out and said she did nothing wrong. Once that nigga says that, you know there's something wrong. Yeah. But I don't like the intellectual dishonesty I'm seeing by people are, are, are equating this to Bill Cosby. Because there was an image of some dumb nigga. There's a lot of dumb niggas on social media. He posted a picture of a stripper putting a drink in someone's cup and then the stripper robbing them to Bill Cosby putting some, um, putting a pull in the, cu in the cup and forcefully putting his, you know, making sexual advances towards them. I hope by that description, it's some, there's like, there's only one part that's the same and there's one key part that's different. And it should be that one is robbing them after drugging them. The other one is actually, you know, is in the process or is raping them, essentially. He's just raping them. So 
I don't know if it's just me and that, you know, people with common sense and, you know, basic knowledge know that they're different. But for some reason, people think they aren't. Right? They're both bad. Don't, don't get me wrong. Right. You're not supposed to do it. You can eat... If drugging someone, you can, you can kill them if you put the wrong... You put too much of a dosage in there. You can kill that person. It's not something you should never do. You should never do that. If Cardi B wanted to rob him, she just, she just should have got some niggas and just put on a black ski mask and just hold them at gunpoint then, then, rock, then put in drugs in their drinks. Oh, wow. And I was, shit. <laughs> not gunpoint. No, we're not at gunpoint. Knife point. How about that? Knife point. You, you still got to take a lot of work. You got to swing it up and down, you know, all that shit. But either way, she could have done something else to get that money. Bill Cosby just could have, you know, Bill Cosby just could have asked and said, hey, can I take you back to my hotel? I, I, don't, I don't know how niggas ask for sex. I don't know. Shit, I just, I don't know. How the fuck he going to ask for sex? He an old ass man anyway. This shit already weird. But he could have just asked for consent before he did anything. There's ways to actually get what you want legally and not look like an asshole. But my niggas, one is robbing, the other one is raping them. There's a clear difference of which one's worse. And I don't know about you, but it's what Bill Cosby did. So why are we equating what Cardi did to Bill Cosby? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It's not a good thing to do, either of them. But you can, there's plenty of grounds to criticize Cardi on for what she did. She she talked way too damn much. Way too damn much. She had, she can end her career prematurely just by, by how much she fucking talks. Keeping it real don't mean you got to keep it real all the time, my nigga. Sometimes you got to learn how to shut the fuck up. It's really simple. You ain't got to say everything that you, that you have on your mind. Just keep it within you. And also, always think before you speak. My mama taught me that. She don't do that. At all. She just say the first thing that comes up on her mind on Instagram Live. Unfiltered. Fans love that. That's kind of that's part of her branding. But you know what comes with that branding? Shit like this resurfaces. Mm-hmm. When she was a loving hip-hop um, character. When she was a stripper. When she didn't see herself making it this far four or five years ago. She didn't think she would be the number one hip-hop act four or five years ago. She probably be- she probably believed herself she would, but she wasn't talking like that on this on Instagram Live. Because I guarantee you, if she knew what she she would be this big, she wouldn't say half the shit she said on Instagram Live. Do you really think so, though? I honestly think so. Because look Can how she much- be? Um, I don't know. I feel like she's a very like active like person. Like she very she's not shy about what she says. Yeah. I mean, regarding this situation, I feel like if she would have known what would have happened, you know, after this came out, yeah, she probably wouldn't have said it. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like she she's not afraid to show who she is or what she's done before. That is true. But part of the reason why I say that is a lot of the things that hurt her are things that she said and she recorded herself saying years before she became this star, mm-hmm. even on a, uh, even a love hip hop figure, because she was a, a, a Instagram star. Whatever the fuck that means, she was an Instagram star, and then she went on TV, and then she became this big big artist. So, if what I've noticed is when she started to get on TV, she dialed it down a little bit, 
and then which became this rapper, a big one, she dialed it down even more by her standards. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the things that's biting her back in the ass are what she said before she was on TV. Okay. So she's still, she's still reckless, and she still says how she feels, but she's not saying right now, oh, yeah, I used to, be, you know, I used to drug niggas and just rob them. She didn't say that right now. She wouldn't say, she wouldn't make sketches about calling black women roaches and stuff like that. Like, she wouldn't do that right now. To her, back like three, four, five years ago, those funny things to her. It was like, I'm just an IG star. I have to make content. Right. Now you're an international star. Your content is your music. Now people care about what you actually have to say now. She hasn't made any kind of those comments since she's became this star. And that's why I said she wouldn't be doing this. She, she wouldn't have done that. She knows she'd be here right now. Because she hasn't done it while she's been on this spot. And hip-hop is a frickle game. Two, two, and three year, two to three years is a long time in hip-hop. It really is. Drake, don't let Drake, Kendrick, and J. Cole fool you. A lot of hip-hop artists are hot for two to three years. Drake has surpassed that. We still care about Drake music in 2019. This man has been out since 2006, 2007. It's been almost 13 years, 13, 14 years we've heard. Drake has been in our ears, and we still get excited when we hear Drake dropping a project or Drake is on a song or Drake is, dro- or Drake is dropping a new single. We still get excited when J. Cole, who's been out since the come up around 2008, 2009, dropped an album. Kendrick, same way. We still get excited for all these artists. There's plenty of people. Hurricane Chris, A. Bay Bay, A. Bay Bay. Rich Boy, when he threw, throw some D's on that bitch. Like, there's plenty of artists who's only had one, two songs, and you never hear from them again. Young Bird. So, it's a frickle game. People change really fast. Hell, look at um the 2016 XL list. Little Uzi, Lil Yachty, 21 Savage, Kodak Black, um, Denzel Curry, Dave East. I'm missing one name. I already said Little Uzi. No, it wasn't Rich the Kid. Rich the Kid sucks anyway. <laughs> um, shoot, I forgot, I'm forgetting somebody. But out of those names, you can only say two of them has become stars. You know, three of them arguably. Denzel Curry. Denzel Curry, Little Uzi, and 21 Savage. Little Yachty it's, has died down. Ugly God. Ugly God was on the 2017 one. Who you don't you haven't heard shit about Ugly God in almost a year. Little Punk just dropped um Harvard Dropout last month. Yeah, I haven't heard nothing about that album since. Since release date. There's a short period. Cardi B has to be aware that this could be a short career where she quickly, she can go out as quickly as she came up, like a, like a comet. She can be this big flare and then boom, you're just gone. And 2019 is a year's female rap. This is, the, this is the biggest and best time in recent history ever where female rappers are getting looked at. Mm-hmm. Even the sorry ones like Swayte. I don't know how to fuck pronounce her name. Crazy little girlfriend. Sweetie, Swayte, Twavy, whatever, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> she's yeah. a terrible rapper. She said, this is how, look, this is how I know she sucks. She sucks. She said, I'm 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 in New York gathering M's like I'm batting for the Nets. I saw that. <laughs> if you don't know, the Nets are a team in Brooklyn, a basketball team. She said gathering M's. Nets starts with N. She met the New York Nets, a baseball team. But she got that wrong. Terrible bar. She said, I, I, she says she's she talking shit like I got a big dick four times. That's not a bar. Like, that's terrible. 
I'm talking shit like I got a big dick. Like, ill. What? What? Why are you saying that? Why do you think that's cold? Her first songs was nice. Yeah. I liked them. But her, she dropped know. an album called Icy. Yeah, I, everybody, you know, Icy Girl. That was, you know, her big thing. I really did like that song. She got another song I like called Pissed. Uh, and she got a few songs I like. But, yeah, people definitely say that she's changed. Her she, rapping has changed. That album's not good. I put myself through almost 20 minutes of this bullshit. The album sucks. Megan Thee Stallion is getting a whole bunch of media traction, um, social media t- love right now. And also praise to her because she just she just lost her mother. Mm. Yeah, sad. I couldn't imagine losing my mom. Yeah, oh hell it's no! Terrible. I, I, shit, I fight. I fight God Himself for doing that shit. <laughs> so, she getting a lot of media traction. She should be on an XL cover, period. And if I'm being honest, I'm not even the biggest fan of her music. I heard her album Tina Snow. Man, she is a bad bitch, my niggas. Like, you can't handle that. Like, I'm telling you this right now, you can't handle that. The way she was talking on her album, on that album, I'm like, man, there's not, there's nothing I can do for her, my niggas. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be straight up with you. There ain't nothing I can give you. I'm a broke ass college student. I ain't got no money. I barely, I shit, I gotta eat cheese, grilled cheese at all fart every day. The one time they gave wings yesterday, I didn't go. Fuck. Yeah, man. you you fucked fuck. up. Yeah, I, shh, they've been feeding us like shit for two months straight. They gave us wings finally, and I didn't go. Boy, we were just talking about it, it was good. Too. I bet it was. I bet it was. Shit, yeah, school. So, so there was. There's a lot of lyrics on that song where on on, on Megan Thee Stallion album where you know, it's very sexual. She, you know, she's talking about how, how she just can make a nigga go crazy. And I'm listening to it, and I'm like, this album isn't for me. And that's perfectly okay. It's not made, that her music not made for, I, I don't want to say just for men, but it's not made for, for people. It wasn't made for people like us, for men. If you like it, you like it. That's perfectly fine. But it was mostly made for women. And that's perfectly okay. And that doesn't make it a bad project. Because actually, it's actually an enjoyable project. She has her voice is what what stands her out, stands her apart from most people, from a lot of artists actually. And she does have bars, even though they are sexual as shit. I had to stop my, I had to stop playing the song at sometimes. I'm like, did she really just say <laughs> what she? I think she just said, big old freak. Yeah. Oh my, that's so nasty. Like. <laughs> There's, I think I said like six times where I'm I'm listening to it while I'm playing a game, and I'm like, and I had to pause my game and like look back at my phone. This bitch nasty, and just <laughs> and just like wow. And then she and then she comes back and she says like a, a bar out of nowhere that's that has nothing sexual, um, no sexual anything on those in it. So I'm like, wow, she's actually a talented rapper, but she her music's not for me. That's okay. This is the area of this is the like the biggest year female hip hop might ever have. And Cardi gotta understand that you might be on top now, you might be getting all these Pepsi deals, these Steve Madden deals, these whatever deals, all these endorsements. They could be gone by next week. Someone like Megan can just take them. Can take your spot, can take all your hype, can take all your fans. I'm seeing more women freestyles on Twitter than ever before. And they are killing this shit. I'm talking women with like 200 followers out of blue just saying bars and getting like four, 10,000 retweets. They better than a lot of these niggas out here. And I won't say I'm a rapper because I only made one song. 
which was, I'm going to get to the, the Festival of Justice. I just remember that. Mm-hmm. Got to give you a recap. That was actually, I had a lot of fun. I only made one song, but I am a poet. But I'll be, I hear those freestyles, and I'm like, yo, I got to step my shit up. Because I don't think I suck, but God damn, they come in. These women, they come in hard right now, my niggas. If XXL, XXL, yeah, magazine, who's a t- which has not been a good magazine for years. We only care for them about the freshman list. And the freshman list hasn't been really notable since 2016. It doesn't fucking matter at this point anymore. If they were real, if they want to be real pioneers in this, they should make the whole entire list, list women. Mm-hmm. The whole entire. Or if, if that's too much, if you can't find 10, it should, at least be, it should be no less than six. Six of those 10 people should be women. Or just make those six, eight women. If you can't get 10, get six to eight women. But most of the majority of that list has to be women. Because I don't see anybody who's going, I don't see many niggas going harder than them. Or if they are, I think the women are better. I would put Little West in there. He's actually a, a pretty intriguing artist from the South, from, I believe, Atlanta. But like, other than that, I'm seeing a whole bunch of Littles. I'm like, who the fuck are y'all niggas? So Cardi B got to understand. Your mouth will kill your career before it ever fucking get, truly become where it's supposed to be. Where you have generational wealth. Yeah, I already hope she doesn't ruin herself. Oh, and she will. What she can. Uh... I guarantee you, that's she can't. She does. She gotta understand. She doesn't have to speak on everything. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the best approach to take is the Drake approach. When Pusha T came out about his son Drake was gone for a month. You ain't hear. You ain't see when social media posts. He didn't drop no songs. He didn't market his album that was supposed to drop like the month, literally like exactly a month after Pushin made the song. He did no marketing for almost two, three weeks. You ain't hear a peep from this nigga. He just dropped an album cover and a video after that. Didn't even say anything about his son until the album came out. Sometimes you just gotta take that approach. You ain't gotta say shit. Mm-hmm. Cause the internet is fast. Like, what you think is an outrage today, we're gonna forget about it tomorrow. This is this something, this something new to be laughing at or joking about. Like Future Today, he was he compared himself to Nipsey Hussle. Oh wow. That's not a good thing. <laughs> Future acting like he taught us how to how to invest our money. Nigga, you only just taught how to make lean. I'm surprised he said that. And, and social media roasting his ass right now. There's just something always happening that social media is gonna going cling on to for like a day or two, and that's it. That was she always gotta remember. What the Cardi B story, surviving Cardi. Has already ended. Like mm-hmm. people aren't even talking about it no more. But when you talk, when you first made your statement, I'm like, this isn't me. Uh, I don't need this kind of energy. Bitch, you said it. Don't say anything. It would have died. It would have died a week earlier if you didn't say anything. Now you got niggas out here calling you, saying Bill Cosby throwing you alley oops. Just fucked up. <laughs> Which was fucked up. That's free. No means are funny. But like, come on now. Like, just don't say anything. I'm gonna get to the Justice League performance before we get to CMU. <laughs> Guys, I performed my first song ever. First song ever recorded. Let me tell you, that shit was hard. That shit was really hard. For I woke up at eight o'clock early in the morning. No, I fell asleep at five. I, I woke up at eight. I could not sleep. And I was rehearsing the song from eight to 10, because that's when I had to be there to, to rehearse and perform. And, you know, I didn't eat throughout the morning. I didn't drink. What? I'm walking in a hallway, back and forth, reciting the song, like, over and over and over again. I did not want to choke. Like, 
I was practicing up to the to like five minutes before I was supposed to go up there. From like ten, from eight to one forty-five. Even when I was watching the show, and I'm 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 saying saying softly the lyrics to the song I'm about to perform. Like I did not want to make an ass of myself. So I went up there, and I saw the crowd, and then something happened with the mic. So I'm like, wow, this would happen when I'm trying to perform. So then they played the beat, you know, and at first I closed my eyes because I didn't want to look at the crowd. But low-key, my biggest fear was that if I look in the crowd and I see disgust over the song, I would have been hurt. Like, gee, shit. Because you can tell by people's body language or their facial expressions when they don't like a song. Mm-hmm. So I, if I would have looked at the crowd and I seen a nigga like, or on his phone, on their phone, oh, my God, I would have cried. So I'm actually fucking up with the mic because I'm holding it too low or too high. So there's one time, there's a couple of times where you can't hear me and I bring it because I have it too low and I bring it all the way up and sound like I'm screaming to the mic. So I can never actually get like the right placement for the mic. And then when I had to sing, and trust me, I can't sing. I actually hate that I, I wrote the song and I couldn't find a singer to um, do that part. And on top of that, because the way I wrote it, everybody told me that it's too personal for anybody else to sing. So I had to do it. That shit took me 20 takes to actually get it right. Oh, wow. And it's still not good. So, <laughs> so I had to sing. I just closed my eyes, and I saw the video. I went from wide-ass open to just like this. Just like, so, like, my eyes are forced closed. I'm looking down. I'm doing, I'm doing like, the hallelujah shit with my hands up. It was just, and then I opened my eyes because there's a break into the song where the beat changes, and everybody started clapping in the middle of it. And I'm like, Wow, they actually like the song. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. The song not even over yet, and he's clapping. So I finished the second verse, cause and then we go to the outro. The outro is fucking terrible, because I actually have to sing that part, too. Don't know why I did that to myself when I can't sing. So I did it, and I closed my eyes again. And then, like, I won't say I got a standing ovation, but, like, it was loud. Like, there was a lot of people just, like, applauding and just screaming, like, woo! That was really good, and I got off the stage, and I had to step outside, cause like I damn near cried. Cause it was like a very emotional moment for me. Aww. Cause like, man, I really made a whole song. It took me a month about, which is the song is actually about a girl who curved me at, by the way, which is crazy, cause it's actually a happy song, healthy coping me- mechanisms. You should try it sometimes. So, <laughs> so the song is actually about a girl who curved me. The song's called Word of Wonder. I might release it. I'm going. I want to release it in May. Originally, it was for February, but I pushed it back because I wanted to get the song perfect. So I'm, I'm going to release it sometime in May and with a lyric video and then probably shoot a music video where we come back in the fall because I want the song to build up in the summer. So I got off stage. I started to cry. Well, started to shed tears. I wasn't crying, crying yet. And then people came up to me like, Oh, you did great. And I couldn't see them like all watery in my eyes. You know, I didn't want to fuck up my mascara. You know how she <laughs> So like... I'm like, oh, yeah, thank you. People really fucked with the song. The producer who made the song, Andrew Bailey, I actually want to bring him up here for an episode to talk about the song and plus his music. Um, he was like, yeah, man, we should really start making more music because it seems like everybody fucked with your song and with, and with you, so it's like, you should do it more. And then, I, no lie, throughout the day, I had like three to five people came up to me and said, do you have anything out? And I said, no. And then all of them, all of them said, you should make something because we want, we want to hear a full project. So... I guess I'm going to make a project now. So 
I don't know when the project is going to be out. I don't like giving release dates, but I'm I am going to make one. Um, you know, so hopefully I don't know what this entails. I don't know if it's. I hope people listen to it. I hope people like it. But I've learned how hard it is to be an artist. It's it's not easy. Like people who do this for a living, I have utmost respect for you guys. Even, I always did, but now I have more. I'm still gonna say your music suck if it does. Oh, don't get me twisted. <laughs> I'm still gonna say if it sucks, it sucks. But I have I have I have a better knowledge of what I'm talking about now. And on top of that, I know how hard it is and how fulfilling it is to work on something so personal and something you put so much time in. And for people to enjoy it, that's like the best feeling in the world. That's the best feeling in the world. It really is. So, you guys, hopefully, if you guys came out to the Festival of Justice, congrats to y'all. If y'all didn't, y'all lame, because y'all be complaining about there ain't no, uh, no events at CMU. And when they throw an event like this for free, y'all don't go, which is crazy to me. Like, wow. Yeah, it was... Uh, the weather just so happened to be so bad that day, and I felt so bad. And then, like, my dance team, we had, like, obligations to go to that was the exact same day, so we couldn't stay for the entire time. So it was just really, I felt so bad because the event, like, just seeing how, like, professional it was, like, walking in and seeing them all set up, like, all the microphones and everything, and the organizations who did come out to support, it would have been so nice if it could have been outside but I did hear a lot of good things about it and I saw a lot of videos from the performances so I think it was a good turnout to be inside you know for the weather conditions so hopefully I really hope next year like the weather get its shit together so it can be outside because I it's mean, gonna just keep growing my thing is I don't like using the weather because there was a probate in the same building as soon as we were done in the same room yeah, but the weather wasn't as bad when you got to probate. Yeah, well, that is true. Cause it, but it was it rained like what thirty minutes before the event started, and then but it didn't rain for the rest of the when it started at twelve fifteen, mm. and then still had nobody show up. Mm. Well, I won't say nobody, but it wasn't a crowd we expected. Mm-hmm. And I get it; it was a last minute change because the weather, which is fucked up, because that whole week. That's what I'm saying. Like the weather sunny. just decided it was sunny every. It was sunny the day after the event. But on this Saturday, it was like, oh, fuck it. Same thing happened last year, too. And it was on Easter weekend, which also made it worse. So, like, but I don't like using the weather as an excuse because people still showed up to an event, even hours, when it was actually even colder, actually. Because it was from 12 to 5. The probate was from 6. I started at 6. So right after. 7? Seven. Seven? Yeah. That's even, wow. So, like, and I was walking out of the, because um, we had to clean up. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the room and the other rooms we were using for the performers and A&Rs. So I'm walking out. I see a whole line out in front of the door. And I'm like, wow. Like, we have a whole free music um, festival at 12 to 5. But nobody showed up. But all you guys are appropriately dressed. And y'all want to use weather conditions as an excuse. But all you guys are appropriately dressed for dressed for weather for weather to step outside to go to a probate. That's crazy to me. Like I don't want to. I, I don't like that excuse. I mean, I think it's also um, what they should do. I think they should push it back. I don't think it should be from twelve to five. I think it should be from like two to six, just because people don't like waking up early. Twelve, yeah, twelve is afternoon. Ideally, twelve is like you know really not that bad. Yeah. But like. Um, 
I think it would be a little bit better if it got pushed back, even just like an hour or so. Because when people see 12, they'd be like, oh, on a weekend, oh, I got to wake up early, I mean, like blah, blah, blah. Okay, I get that one. And, I was thinking that too. Yeah, so I feel like that could go into it. But um, I don't know. Whether, in my opinion, does play a, um, a part, but I do get what you're saying because, yeah, the probate was packed. It was packed. Like, we had... It wasn't just, we had all kinds of music. We had country, hip hop, and rock. Mm-hmm. So, like, you would have found, you would have heard something you like. If you don't like rock music or country, we had hip hop. If you don't like hip hop or country, we had rock. If you don't like hip hop or rock, you had country. Like, we covered the three genres that everybody likes here in this school. And that's when you had homegrown talent here. Like, I literally just started rapping. What month are we in? March? April? Oh, shit, it's April already? God damn. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> shit, you're going by fast. Um, I, I, did, I, I literally started rapping in January. So, like, a lot of people didn't know about the song, but the people who did, who I did tell, they showed up. Some couldn't because they had prior obligations. I'm okay with that. It's whatever. But, like, there's people, there's kids who go here who make phenomenal music, who make who have so much talent, they couldn't go. It's not even just a festival of justice that ticked me off. I noticed a lot about CMU students. They say one thing, like, oh, there's nothing ever going on on campus. It's boring. It's yada, yada, yada. It's the same old shit. Someone someone does pull up an event that really doesn't really happen here, really original. Sounds like a lot of fun. Nobody shows up. And then the very next day you see them, like, oh, yeah, but nothing really goes on here on campus like that, man. I mean, it's boring up here. I'm like, you have people literally just try to, they hear your pro- they hear you out on your complaints. They make a whole event. You don't show up to an event, and then you make the same complaint again. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I think the problem with the Festival of Justice is, even though this is what it's third year, yeah, um, it's still new to people, especially to like the communities they're trying to outreach to to get to come out and support people. People not gonna come out to something that isn't quote unquote popular. Like that's just yep. how it is, and yep. it's like sad. Like, for instance, okay, so this it's a high school campus. <laughs> this past weekend, uh, my dance team had a fundraiser, a food fundraiser. Uh, it was a baked potato fundraiser, uh, similar to like Spud Heads. So this was a new fundraiser we've never done before. Nobody's ever done before. So it was you know pre orders only. And we didn't really get a lot of pre-orders until the day of the fundraiser. People was like, can I see what it looked like? You know, my oh, my friend got this one. I'm about to get it. Like, people do it once they see someone else doing it. And it, like, they follow along with popular. Because once one person posted it and said how good it was, you know, everybody else started posting it. And then again, like, my other organization, we hosted an event yesterday. And we, like, started advertising this event, like, I want to say, like, three weeks ago. And started planning for it. We had guest speakers, no people on campus who are known for, you know, what they're speaking about. You know, they're credible. And it wasn't as good of a turnout as we thought. We even asked people to RSVP. And a lot of the RSVP people didn't show up either. And, you know, it's events that we put on that people ask for, but then they don't actually come out. But granted, it is spring semester. It is getting close to the end. People are stressed. People are not in the, you know, best mindset. People don't might not feel like coming out. But at the same time, people going to show out for a party. You know, people going to oh, yeah. come out and do 
Yeah, so it just, you know, people pick and choose when they want to do stuff, but you can't really control. It's, it's going to take more than just one organization or one person to be able to make a difference. Look, there's a lot of talk out here that CMU is lame. And I would say that to say, I think the CMU body, student body is lame. I, it's, I don't know it's because I'm getting old because I'm about to be 23 in May, but I see a lot of high school traits and tendencies on this campus that I just don't like. It's becoming more of a popularity contest every year I've been here. I mean, it's only my second year here. But, like, last year, I, 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 it, it didn't feel like this year. Like, if one per, if, if a group of people or a particular um, fraternity says something about this event, oh, I'll get everybody go. But you know one complaint I hear all the time? I always see the same people at the same events all the time. Because you go to the same events by the same people all the time. All the time. How can you complain about going to an event? You're seeing the same people when you go to the same event by the same people. Who do you think you're going to see? You're just going to see the same niggas you see class with every day. Same niggas you hang out with every day. But there's nothing going on here, though. Oh, who, who are... Oh, I hate this question so much. I mean, we've all said it. I know, I know you have. When someone asks you out somewhere and you'd be like, who finna be there? Yeah. <laughs> who finna be there? Who all finna be there? I hate that. Because people don't want to go somewhere where if their friends not going, they really not going to feel like going. People, unless you're super extroverted, people do not like going somewhere by themselves. I know I'm like that. I, you know, like to feel comfortable. So I want to go with at least one of my friends. You know, unless it's something that I know other people are going to be there that I, you know, see often. Like, I'm going to feel comfortable. Like, I go somewhere by myself. But more than likely, I like to go with people, you know. So, yeah, people definitely be like, or... Who already there? Like the event just started thirty minutes ago. Like, Who did, did you go? Are you are you there? Like, what happened? What's going on? Yeah, like, oh, maybe I'll show up then. Thirty minutes later, like an hour later, like I don't get it. But CMU, like I don't know, people are used to what events have always been thrown on campus, but they complain and want new things. But when the new things do come around, they don't go. Yeah, they don't go. They don't support. It's just like. That's when, you know, there was a former person who used to work here. I don't, I don't, I forgot his word. I'm gonna call him Mr. Jenkins. I don't know his first name. But, you know, because one student here posted CMU is lame, and he just, woo, woo, child. God damn. He just called in to question her leadership, and not just her, but like called out every, a lot of other students who complain about the campus is lame. But there's only so much you can do, like, if, there's people here who make a whole event, groups, individuals, um, RSOs, who make a whole event, plan it out, put the money in it, execute it, and advertise it, and nobody goes. Yeah. I can't I can't fault. They went beyond themselves. They went beyond the means of just from, all right, there's nothing else to do to, hey, let's create something to do. And no one still went. I can't blame them for that. And that, that's happened a lot. Like, I wanted to throw an event um, to get um, Black CMU more integrated and actually more interconnected with each other. But, like, I'm hesitant because I don't know if people are really going to show up. Yeah, it gets that point. Like, 
we be trying to like from our organization we be trying to think of you know events that people want to do or events that you know you see other schools doing you be like damn I wish my school was doing that and we do it and like or like we don't even get to the point of doing it we just be in our meeting being like are people actually gonna come out and like I'm very realistic and majority of the time I be like no No. like I don't think people are gonna come out like unless I don't know, like, unless you got a partner with another organization that's heavily, you know, popular on campus or you got to offer food, like, people don't really like coming out if they're not getting something out of it. Like, you can be giving, you know, the most greatest information to help someone succeed or grow as a person, but if it's no food there, oh, they they're not going to go. So, like, it's your free pizzas. They're like, oh, shit, got to right. go get it. And, I mean, and I'm hesitant to throw the event because... I'm not, I mean, I'm still planning, I'm still in the process of planning it. I don't have everything down yet, but, like, I'm I'm probably going to pitch it to the mass office in two, three weeks and see if it can be done so it can have it in the fall. Because I know the spring semester is cold out. No one really want to do shit. Mm-hmm. And then when you start warming up, everybody just want to get the fuck home. So I want to do it in the fall. But, like, my biggest fear is if nobody show up, what's the point of it? Especially, especially Black CMU doesn't show up because that's what the event for. I'm like... What did I just waste all my time on this? Right. And then I hear I hear people talk about Eastern and Western and their black community. How it's, I I think it's smaller, but they're tighter. And I'm like their black community, Western black community is uh, they have more black people than us. Uh, they have they have more black people, but apparently they have fewer black organizations. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Meaning that uh, because the community is so big. CMU has a lot of black student organizations that have the same meaning and purpose, but are just different names and have, you know, different, like, meeting times. So at Western, it's like there's just one, you know, black organization or, you know, one prominent female black organization where, you know, people have more time to go to that one event, where at CMU we have this event or this organization event on Monday, another on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And it's harder to go out to all those events because you want to support, because some people genuinely want to support. And, you know, granted, some people do be busy or I got class or I got a meeting during this time. But it gets to the point where it's like, well, I already went to this event on Monday for this organization. Like, do I feel like going out again Tuesday for this organization too? So I feel like it's harder because we have a lot of organizations that, you know, obviously to unite black people and, you know, Put on stuff for black people, but everything is the same. So it's kind of like I can do this work, but I don't gotta go support the other one because I'm already in this one black student organization. Like it's kind of hard because a lot of organizations don't really differ from each other. If that, that makes doesn't sense. that breed competition? Um, I mean, not for me. I I don't know personally. For, I don't, for other orgs in general, like just isn't having. Several, well, not several, but multiple organizations that just have different names but stand for the same thing and try to do the same thing. Does that create some type of competition? Um, a lot of people, when the CMU lame topic came up, a lot of people did speak on saying that people are very competitive, like orgs are very competitive, and they don't support each other. And a lot of people say that times, you know, CMU campus have changed where people don't want to collab with another org because they might steal the idea or they don't want to release something too soon because someone else might take it or, you know, flip it. Like, and so, yeah, it does create competition and, and it's not healthy either. Like, 
it's always like, oh, how can we outdo them? And, you know, it's never like, oh, let's collab or we got an idea too, like, and let's make this an even bigger event. Like, or people, we had come out with the event and somebody be like, well, I'm doing something this same day too, so you should probably cancel yours. And it'd be like, you don't want to collab. Like, you don't want to, you know, yeah. do something together. It's just like, nah, like, we about to do this, so you should just stop. So it'd be like, oh, okay. That's wild. It's like people want the credit and for their ego to get, you know, that that credit they feel like they deserve of building a great event. But when something goes terribly wrong, and I've seen this, oh, they blaming everybody but themselves. They blaming everybody from the event coordinators to the actual audience members who showed up. They doing a lot of things but looking in the mirror and say, damn, how could it be done it better? Mm-hmm. But, man, what... That's something go right. Oh yeah, it was on me. It was it, we, we came up with the ideal. They don't take accountability is lacking here. Like severely lacking here. And I don't think or, okay. Man. The lo- where we are doesn't help the situation either in terms of where the school is located cuz there isn't much to do if we're being totally honest. Mm-hmm. Nice, quiet city. I mean, town. You can always do your homework all day, every day, because ain't no distractions outside of campus, really. I mean, what, you going to go Wayside, Encore, Soaring Eagle, a bar, B-dubs? I haven't been to B-dubs. I actually never had B-dubs before, which is why I didn't go there. Mm-hmm. Um, what, That's like, crazy. I, I know, right? Like, there's there isn't much to do outside of campus. To If you want to go somewhere, you got to go to Lansing, which a lot of kids go to. Grand Rapids or Detroit just to have like have stuff to do outside like you don't have to feel stuck in your dorm or in your apartment all the time up here so the location doesn't help but when organizations or people try to circumvent that and put up events that you and many other people said they wanted and you still don't go how can we that that creates this tension now between orgs and the student body was like Y'all want shit, y'all don't ever go to it. And the students are like, we want shit, y'all never create it. And it's like, always clashing. Mm-hmm. Some miscommunication. And there are, there are times here when this, when we do, when like when an org does get something approved and they start posting flyers, the parchment, department will take it down. Like the flyers down for whatever reason, even though they, you've been approved to post the flyers anywhere, everywhere. They will take it down in certain departments for whatever reason, particularly black CMU events. So I'm I'm not saying they do that because it's a probably black event. It's just odd how they how that happens. They don't check to see if the orgs are allowed to post a flyer there. They just take it down immediately, which is weird. So that doesn't help either. It doesn't help how the student body sometimes you feel like it's a one big group. And if you're not part of that group, you have no idea what the fuck is going on outside of it. Mm-hmm. Cause that's kind of, that's low key me. Like, I don't know what the hell. Someone has to tell me something's gonna happen. But that's your out. fault. I don't it, think. I don't think that's my fault. It is. Why are you disconnected from the community? I mean, I go to. I, I know. I go to these to the events I hear about. Like, I go to the events I hear about. But I'm, when I I literally be talking to you about certain events, you'd be like, I, oh, I never it. heard of yeah, it. Yeah, I never heard of but it. But that's your fault because you don't follow. The organizations or certain people on campus. You're secluding yourself from the popular people. 
I'm not I'm because not, you want to be different. Oh no! Oh, don't don't do that. Don't do that to me. <laughs> I first off, I don't even know who the proper people are because I just don't know them. If I, but that if, is that their fault or your fault? It could be both. It can't. It doesn't necessarily have to be my fault because, like, I don't think it's. I don't think I have to come up to them and just start a conversation just to start one if I don't feel like having one. Oh no, you don't. Yeah. But there is certain things on campus that you. There's a reason. There's no reason you shouldn't know about it. So, for instance, you know about the festival of justice because you're into music. You're friends with yeah. those who put on yeah. the event. So that's you know that's your that's your circle that's your community. Yeah. So you can't be mad when you don't hear about the other circle of the oh, community because you're not out there. You're not outreaching to that other community. Like I, you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying, and I understand that I'm not mad when I don't hear not about an event and I don't go. I didn't go because I didn't hear about it. I'm like, okay, that's nothing I could do about it. It didn't come to my it didn't come to my attention. Maybe maybe I didn't see a flyer or whatever it was. But in terms of not knowing them. I just don't know them. Like, I don't know who people go to. I don't know who who people go to for, like, influence or who they meet up to start, start these things. I just know the advisors I know I need to talk to. I know professors and people I know I need to talk to to get things done because they're, like, they've either already done this before or I've met and, I, I, and I've already know them and personally call them friends. So, like, usually... I'm, I just stick to who I know and the people I know or advisors I know to get what I need to get done. Right. But so if someone th- else was if someone else was saying the exact same thing you're saying, but not in the circle you're in, yeah. you can't be mad at them for, you know, only going to okay, like you said, this one organization who puts on all these events, you can't be mad at them to go into that one organization when that's their circle that they're in. Kinda how you're in like this music circle, like the people you talk to. Yeah. So I was like, we can we can only blame the part of CMU that sees these things and, you know, just purposely doesn't go somewhere, doesn't support, but continuously yeah. complains. But for people like you or people who, you know, not on purpose, but they kind of accidentally just stay to their own thing. Like, they want more, but they don't search outside their box, I guess. Like... I don't, I don't think that's fair to me because even, cause there's times where I heard about an event even day of... Or the day before, I will go because I am old, I'm am looking for something to do on campus. Cause I don't want to play my video game twenty four hours a day. I love video games, but I'm trying to play that shit eight nine hours a day. So like, but I and plus I don't think it's fair for me to even for me to say that I do it to be different. I literally just don't just communicate with people like that. Like I know for my first semester here, I was talking to a lot of people in these um, in these particular orgs. And then either they didn't follow up on follow up on me, or I didn't follow up on them for whatever reason, one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And then I just got into the music, the music thing. That's why I realized that's what I really wanted to do. So I just you know stayed concentrated there. But if I heard if I hear about an event, I'm like, oh yeah, of course I'm gonna go there. I want to go there. I want to check it out. I want to see how it is. But to say that people, to, I think it's more so the org's job itself to promote to the group to everybody, more so. Or, than a particular that always constant group of people. But how how do you think people should go about that? Well, one thing I think the school the school can get much more involved in promoting something than the orgs. Like even simply just sometimes just even posting it on social media. And do you mean like the, the CMU University? Sometimes just or like even hell 
if CM Life is going to cover 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 an event, they organization could team up team up with CM Life. Could they have like what seventeen thousand followers and like hey post this event that's going to happen, and in, in return for access or having access to an event, like it could work both ways. The school can do more. Um, let's see, let's see let's think about other ones. Because I, I was going to say meetings, but nobody shows up to meetings anyway. Mm-hmm. A part of the reason what you said, a part of the reason because nobody goes. So what what other ways you can... The radio station. Team, I think people, I don't think... More people people know about the radio station, definitely. Like, you know, but it's, it'd be because, like, oh, my one friend has this certain slot yeah, time, yeah. and I'm listening to this, yeah. slot, this slot time. Yeah. But I think it's harder for a radio, just one, you know... People don't listen to the radio as often, you know, as they yeah. do. I know I do, and I don't know. I feel nothing. I feel weird or whatever, but I know I listen to 101.1 The Beat, uh, like, when I'm driving the car because I don't always, like, listening to my music, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I don't always, like, put on the aux, but not everybody like that. People, majority of people use their aux, you know, use, like, their own music. Yeah. So I feel like the radio is hard promoting but I do feel like the radio could reach another audience because since it doesn't reach the black community as much, it does re- reach other communities on campus and it could bring out more people besides yeah. the black community. Yeah, because like Mount Pleasant, the, the hip-hop station here, 101.1 The Beat, is mostly students listen to that. Mm-hmm. So if you get those students, especially in their cars or you even go out to businesses, they play the radio station. Mm-hmm. So you can, li- or you can literally walk down to the radio station, talk to the ad... Um, manager there and work on a commercial for an event that you're going to throw. Mm-hmm. Like, they type up a script. You can do it like, a, like you know, the Jimmy John's commercial. Jimmy John's commercial. Jimmy John's commercial. Like, make it funny like that or you just straight up talk and say, hey, we have this event coming up. Play blase, blase. Sorry. Blase, blase. You know, because we have breaks like, what, three to four times every hour. So you're, you you might get played once an hour, twice an hour, maybe three times in four hours, but you, you're you getting played constantly every day. And I don't think it costs you much, if at all, just to do that if you are RSO here. Mm. So, like, that's free access right there. Instead of, like, and instead of like posting on social media or posting a flyer where it's going to be one particular subset of people always seeing it because they follow you on social media, not the whole entire student body or that particular group. You're going outside to now you in people cars, people radios, um, people and you in stores where people can listen to it. You have a greater outreach like that now. That's that's one of the see yeah that's that's a that's a gr- very good way to to expand that. So I think it goes both ways. Like I don't think me is my job to go out there and make connections with these orgs because as an org, I th- especially if you're like let's say OBU, um, organization of Black Unity, your org should be based on this name, Black Unity on Campus. I'm not, I don't think it's my job to just run over there or just go over there all the time on my free will. You have to give me at least a reason or to show, to based on your name and what you stand for, throw an event or do something to prove that this is truly uh, on Black Unity Campus. But... Or, they do. I know. They know. I, I, I know. They do. But I'm, that's. I'm just using that as an example. I know, but like, it's hard to. I get what you're saying, but I don't know. We can't just blame. We can't always put the blame on the orgs. I don't know. I just feel like it's it's blame on both sides. Um, yeah, the orgs could do more to reach out, but you know, 
in some instances, all they have is Instagram and Twitter. Like, yeah. they can do more, especially if it's just, like, a general meeting or just, yeah, like, a, reg- yeah, a regular thing, stuff like that. But it is also on, like, the student body yeah, to, like, want to do more for themselves. And it's hard because you can't make nobody do anything. You can't make nobody yes. want to be better or want to, like, some people are fine in their own little circle, they want org or whatever they want to do. But, like I said before, it's that, it's the same group of people who complain about CMU and, you know, they not, they're not involved or they oh, yeah. only do, like, they don't do shit. Like, oh, yeah. or, you know, they complain and then somebody throws an exact, an exact event, event of what they were talking about and they don't go, yeah, no. you know, and it's not because they're busy or they have something, another obligation to do is because they just like, oh, I don't feel like it. Or is anybody there? Like, I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to be the first person to show yeah. up. Like, oh, bro, we had... We had a cookout. Uh, you told me about this one. Yeah, we had a cookout. And, you know, people was posting about how they wanted a cookout, how they wanted, like, a, a darty or whatever. So we like, all right, we're going to throw a cookout. This is right after the CMU lane topic. We're going to see people come out. And people did not come out. And when I, I swear to you, people was driving by, looking out their window like, mm, I don't see nobody there. But, like, and just drive away. And it's just, like, somebody has to be that first person. Somebody got to be that first group of people to come out and, like, be there. Like, you can't be like, oh, ain't nobody there yet. Or, like, people just so, ugh. Like, but, I just don't get it. See, and I agree. It, it it does go both sides. I would, me, I would place more on the org and the people themselves. And at the end of the day, you can't make somebody go to an event they don't want to go. Mm-hmm. But, the, but I think the problem here on this camp is more of I don't want to go to this event is who's there. And if the group of people they're used to seeing at these events or the popular people or the people they consider fun on that at this event, then they're not going to go to this particular event because of that reason. And that that's what I think happens way too much on this campus. Yeah. And if because if that if those people they used to seeing or they want to see or the whatever popular people, high school shit, they're like, oh, there's no point of me going like. They didn't. They didn't promote it on their page, or they didn't talk about it, or they're not even there. So why should I go there? They not if they not there. It's it's more of that than less than of. Shit, I don't want to go. I don't feel like going because that happens a lot. Let the people who have this type of influence throw an event. You don't see everybody there. Let the big organizations do probably the same. A bigger organization probably do have the same idea you have. With the cookout. I guarantee you they're going to be there. That's what I'm saying. Like, But you threw an event because you saw people wanted for it. You saw a demand. You met that demand with the supply, and nobody still came. You have At that point, you have every right to be mad at the, at the student body because you gave them what, what they wanted. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, for me, it's the people who complain, and then they don't show up. Like, just because they like, eh. Or people who drove by. I saw that. I saw a lot like, of Twitter shit. Like, oh, you should have a cookout in CMU. Blase, blase this, blase, blase that. I'm hearing nobody went. The same people who was complaining. And it's always the same people who complain. It's literally always the same people who's always complaining about the shit. They don't go. Yeah. But you see them at a party. Or you see them on Snapchat on the kickback. See, you see them at that one, you see them at the same events every year. The same group of people every year. So, I just, you know, that's, that's just me. We, the people can do better, the orgs can do better, because I think the orgs underestimate what kind of access they do have on campus. Mm-hmm. And I think the school, in that term, can make it make it known 
what actual access these orgs have to promote. Maybe not a general meeting, right. but let's say like a big event, right, an event that yeah, you're holding. Project. The school, I think the school should make it more known that these RSOs have these things available to them to take advantage to get a bigger reach. And the orgs should take advantage of that. And then the, and then the students should be much more open-minded mm-hmm. of going to, like, something you probably wouldn't go to. I know there's certain events I've gotten to. I'm like, man, what the f- who the fuck want to do this? <laughs> I leave there like, damn, I can't wait till next year. Particularly in the fall, because the spring, the, the spring there are less events. I, w- I, w- I will say that, because mm-hmm. it's cold. Yeah, and it's, it's harder... Especially when we have really bad weather to bring out people. Yeah. But, you know, that's granted. Like, people are not going to muddle through no snow. Like, I you know, that's me. That's me also. So, right. <laughs> but the fall, I think, is the perfect year. Yeah, the fall is always easier, especially when you have you have freshmen, too, who are just coming to college, who, yeah. you know, want to get involved or want to just see what organization is about. Oh, my God, about to get drunk. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, wow. That's <laughs> my white girl invitation. Oh, my God. So, um, last topic. Very, I mean, shoot. Last topic. Did you hear the Logic album? Yes, I did. What do you think? What did you think of it? Um, I Loki kind of liked it. Um, Damn, what? Oh, wow, I thought you hated it. <laughs> no, I didn't. I kind of liked the pop theme of it. Um, I will say I like the more upbeat songs than like his sappy, like love songs, yep. but um, I did enjoy it. Um, my favorites or the ones that you know I really took notice and really liked was um was it Bohemian Trapsody? Yeah, first record. Uh Can I Kick It? Ooh. And then uh Pretty Young Girl. Pretty Young Girl I really liked. I believe that's the one where it, he kinda switched it up in like the middle end of it. But uh yeah, I didn't really like um the ones like Best Friend and Baby. Uh I believe those are like the slower ones. But um I did like it. I really did like Bohemian uh, Trapsody. It was kind of like an upbeat thinky. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. It's actually, I thought, I, th- I thought you would hate the album. Um, my thoughts on this album, if we're going solely based off punk rock standards, um, pop rock standards, um, those rock standards, um, it wasn't a good rock album. He has a, a really flat voice, and so when he was singing, it, it didn't sound good. It was at best average, but at most of the time it was below. It was below average. It was. It wasn't the best of singing. Bless you. Thank you. It wasn't the best of singing. The instrumentals, as always with Logic, he has very good beats, very good music mm-hmm. behind him while he's um, you know, rapping or in this case singing. So, uh, the instrumentals were very enjoyable. It gave me this nostalgic feeling that I'm back in twenty. That's, I'm about to say twenty. Um, 2004, 2005, or like groups like Mardis Mouse and um, Radiohead, um, Franz, Fran, Franz Fernard? I, I always get oh, the... Franz Ferdinand? Yeah, Ferdinand, yeah. Radio, I already said Radiohead. The Fray, um, even Break Even in the late 2000s, 2008, when it was had like a song called um, I'm Falling in Pieces, um... Adam Lambert with, um, you know, What Do You Want From Me? We actually played that here on the, on, on the podcast one episode. So it gave me that feel of of that era, and it was very nostalgic, but it wasn't as good as those albums. The best songs were Bahamian Trapsody and Can I Kick It, which mm-hmm. Can I Kick It was um, a, a Tribe Called Quest song that he turned to an R&B song. It was really fucking good. That's one of my, that's probably my favorite song on the album. Bahamian Trapsody is more of the punk rock rap fusion. Um, he rapped in the second half of it. 
DeLorean is one of my favorite tracks. It's a slow record, but um, you know, it's really, really, really interesting. That's one of the songs I think he actually performed best singing wise. But Logic, the album's actually based on a novel who he wrote. So it's not really an official album. It's a soundtrack action to a novel called, titled the same thing, Supermarket. So it's supposed to accompany accompany the book. I'm not reading that shit. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm not reading that shit. But um, you know, music wise, I enjoy the music. Um, this is not an album I would be going back to a lot to listen to fully. Maybe just a couple songs here and there. But if I wanted the same music, I can go to other groups back that the groups I just named, and there's plenty more that if I wanted to listen to this music. So I gave the I gave the album. It's been out for a week now. It's an enjoyable listen, but you know I gave the album like what a five out of ten, if I'm being nice. It's it's just okay. The music, the music's fine. It's mid. You know what? Yeah, it's mid. That's what we're gonna say. It's mid. It's not fire. It's not trash. It's just alright, and that's about it. So, anything else you want to tell the people? Uh, Rampage has a showcase April twelfth. See, I know about this one now. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's at the Broadway Theater. is like a it's the competition, and we will be performing as well. And there will be, I believe, a cipher and some other like cool things going on. So, you should definitely come out. Um, you can check our Instagram CMU Rampage. Um, also PBG, we have a lot of events coming up. You should definitely check out our Instagram. We have a lot of fun things planned, so you should definitely participate. And yeah, we have the so you know we have a Roots performance coming up on Monday, um, the eighth. Thank you all for listening. Rest in peace, Nipsey Hussle. Um, again, I send my condolences to his family. Anyone out here who is suffering, trust me. You're not alone. We are here for, with you here at the, at the Culture Report, here at CM Life, here at CMU, and here all around the world. We are with you for anyone who feels in pain. Belle Junet, and since you guys are fluent Haitian, spe- Haitian Creole speakers right now, I truly hope you have a great day. Mm-hmm.